Hey, well, we are wrapping up this uh, series, Break Free, that we've been in for the last four weeks. Tonight, uh, we are going to look at our final spiritual discipline for the night, but we've been in this series, Break Free, finding freedom in Christ through good habits, like listening when we're supposed to listen. So, uh, so hopefully you guys have enjoyed this series and have developed new habits uh, from it. So, um, yeah, have you? This, this table has because they have been pooling their tithe together. I like it, all right? That's awesome. So they have wor- been working on giving. Hopefully you guys are working on your quiet time, all that good stuff. Tonight we're going to get into our final spiritual discipline in just a second And I'm excited about it. But before we do that, I want to remind you guys that in two weeks, two weeks, next week is our party week. So we'll be here normal time, 7 to 8.30. You're going to have a party in your small groups. But two weeks from now, we start our summer schedule where we're combined on Tuesday nights. We're going to start at 6.30. And uh, we're going to be starting at 6.30 throughout the summer so we can have plenty of time for great, fun stuff and fun events. And we're starting with a series called Asking for a friend, and what we're asking you guys to do is, if there's a question you have about the Bible, about Jesus, about faith, about, I don't know, other religions, about sin, about anything, uh, write it on a card. You can leave it anonymous, put it in one of the black barrels on your way out, and we want to answer those questions for you guys in that series. We're really looking forward to it. We've got some great questions from you guys already, and uh, we're looking forward to answering those for you guys. So, Tonight, <coughs> Nick, you never got me a cough drop either. No hazer, no cough drops. Uh, I emailed myself the wrong version of my notes, so I literally have no notes on it. So we're flying, bi- flying blind tonight, but it's all right. Because with our little, God can do much. Can you guys say amen? Amen. And hallelujah. All right, so uh, open up your outlines. Because tonight we are talking about the spiritual discipline of worship, and I want to talk to us about how we find freedom in Christ through worship. And worship is so many things for so many of us. And guys, I know that there have been times in my life that I've been confused about what worship is, why we do it, how we do it. And you guys probably feel the same way. And some of you guys, if you're new to church, you may stand and worship and wonder why everyone else knows these songs that you've never heard of before. It, it can be a weird thing. And so I just want to talk to you guys tonight about what worship is, um, how it should look, uh, and ultimately I want to talk to you guys about four things that worship involves, that are involved in worship, and then how we find freedom in Christ through worship. Can we do that together? Yeah, we can. All right. So open up your outlines, and the first thing you'll see is a passage from Revelation chapter 4. All right. We're going to skip that is what we're going to do. We're going to skip that passage. We're not going to worry about it because it's going to take a lot of explaining. Just know that in that passage, the book of Revelation is a vision from God to a guy named John, and John wrote the whole vision down, and it is uh, God showing John what heaven is like. And so I'm going to reference that passage a little bit later tonight, but I didn't want to spend a lot of time uh, 
breaking it down, like what's going on for you guys, but just understand that it's a vision of heaven and that that vision gives us a perfect example of what worship looks like in heaven and how we're going to worship in heaven and all that stuff. So um, there's a lot that we're going to learn from it. But ultimately what I want to do tonight is just give you guys an idea of what is involved in worship, what we might experience or should experience through worship, Uh, And then tonight, we're going to have a great opportunity for us as a group to just worship together. And we've talked about this in the past when we've taught about worship. And if you weren't here, man, worship is not just as a group singing together. Um, And so often, uh, that can just become a habit and really doesn't mean anything to us if we're not putting anything into it. And we're going to get into that a little bit later tonight. But worship is so much more than just standing and reciting words on a screen together. Uh, Worship is giving back of our lives to God. It's in the way that we live. And also, as a group, when we come to church, we worship in, this would be called in a corporate setting, all right? And we worship together as a group because we see an example in the Bible of believers coming together and worshiping together. And in fact, all the way back to Jesus, and before Jesus was alive, when they were worshiping God, before Jesus came, we see the example of them using instruments and song. And so that's why we continue to do it, because that's the, that is the example that God set for us, all right? And uh, man, music means so much to so many of us, and you guys have favorite music artists, but guys, God created music, and God invented music, and it was meant to be something to give back to him, and so we're going to do that later tonight, all right? That was a lot. Can we get into it? Can I tell you guys the four things that worship involves? Are you guys ready? The first one is that worship involves purity. Worship involves purity. Okay? (coughs) My cough is worse than I expected. Um, Worship involves purity. And that might seem kind of scary for us because really, guys, what we need to understand is that God God wants us to be pure when we come into worship. Just come... That was maybe the world's worst throw. Can I just, let's just stop and recognize that Nick is in the sound booth and he was trying to throw me a cough drop and he hit Maddie, Maddie, raise your hand, hit Maddie in the back of the, in the back of the back. All right. (laughs) And uh, Tomas, Blue Raz got it to me. Blue Raz, everybody say way to be Blue Raz. All right. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. All right. Wow. That's a lot. Okay. Um, So worship involves purity and God wants us to be pure when we come to him in worship. And in fact, I didn't say anything funny. In fact, the opposite of pure is like wrong or sinful, okay? And uh, so sin is the thing that separates us from God. And so uh, really what we know is that when we're not pure, we're separated from God, okay? Um, and, but God offers us this opportunity through worship where we can come to him and we can experience the leading of the Holy Spirit through worship to make us pure and to show us the areas of our life that we're not pure In fact, I can't tell you guys how many times, and I hope you've experienced this, that I've been in a worship setting where I'm singing and I'm reflecting on the words on the screen and and they're reminding me of the things that God has done for my life and it has 
it's just been a great opportunity for me to recognize that, man, there's some stuff in my life that I have not dealt with yet. And that's why worship involves purity, because it's, a, it's an opportunity for us. In fact, we need to take the opportunity when we worship to say, Jesus, is there anything keeping me from you? Is there anything that is in between me and you? Because I want to worship you more than anything in my life. And if there's something in between me and you, I'm not worshiping you. I'm worshiping that thing. And I'm allowing that thing to, to be more important than you. Worship involves purity because that's what God calls us to. And the only way we can be pure is through him. Now, I want you guys to understand that, there's, man, there's nothing we can do as humans to make ourselves completely pure. We're sinful by nature, and every time I ask for forgiveness for my sin, I'm just going to sin again. It happens. But because of the work that Jesus did on the cross and the way that God loves us and the, the fact that the sacrifice for our sin has already been paid means that when God sees me, even though I'm a sinner, he sees me as pure. He sees me as paid for. And so I sin and I go back to him and I can go back to him easily because I can say, God, thank you so much for what you've done for me. It's already done. And so I want you guys to know that God makes you pure. He's the only thing that can make you pure. In your relationship with Jesus, he's already made you pure. And even though we live impure lifestyles, we can come back to him and ask for forgiveness and experience that freedom again. And worship is one of the ways that we do that. We say, God, I need to come back to you. I need freedom from this thing that's been holding me back. I need this thing that separates you and I to go away. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 says, So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. This passage tells us, guys, that when we want more and more stuff, when there's things that we want, what's it talking about? It's talking about us wanting stuff more than we want God. It could be money, it could be shoes, it could be video games, it could be relationships. When we want for anything more than we want God, we're worshiping those things. And honestly, we're worshiping ourselves. Because if all I want, if money is my God, the only thing I'm concerned about is myself because I want, I want, I want. And what I hope you guys understand tonight is that worship is not about what I want. It's about what God wants. And so the first thing we have to recognize is that worship involves purity because it means we're saying, God, I want to get out of my way, and I don't want there to be anything in my life more important than you. And that's an example of our second point. The second thing that worship involves is worship involves humility. Worship involves Humility. You guys know what the word humility means, right? Yeah? Yes? Huh? No, not human. It's when we're humble, right? I wish one of you would stand up. Somebody stand up right now. Megan, stand up. Real quick. Sit down. Be humble. Okay, I just had to do that. That didn't land like I thought it might. Good. Okay. Um, thank you. <laughs> 
All right? Worship involves humility. And like I've already said, in order for us to worship, we have to get out of the way. Humility is us saying that I am not as important as I think I might be. Humility is where we recognize that I am broken, I am sinful, I am not good enough, and God, you are. The only way we experience pure life and perfect life is through life with Christ. And so we have to be humble enough to to recognize who we are. You're never going to be able to worship God if you think you're good enough. Because as soon as you think you're good enough, now you're God. And you don't need anybody's help. But without God in our life, without what Jesus did on the cross, we're worthless. We're sinners. And we're lost. Worship is about knowing who we are, who we're not, and who God is. It's about being able to say, God, I don't measure up, right? For all have sinned and fall short of God's standard. We all have sinned. There's a standard that God set for us. That standard is perfection, and we all fall short of that. But because of the gift of Christ on the cross, that standard, that price has been paid for us. And humility is us saying, God, I can't do it, but you can. I'm going to step out of the way and let you be in charge. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. And I think it's important that we understand that when we're not humble, have you ever met someone that's really prideful? We all have. You know, okay, cool. Maybe like that. So um, we all know someone. We've all experienced a friend or someone at school that, that, man, they're just so proud of themselves. Or have any of you ever known like someone that just lies all the time? Yeah. Your best friend, okay. Yeah, maybe, all right. I used to work with a guy. When I worked at Jamba Juice, I used to work with this guy named Walter, and maybe I shouldn't, that was a made-up name. And so, um, this guy, I think he was like a pathological liar, which is like when you can't help it, you know? Because he would make up the most random stuff and he would stand by it. And it's one thing when someone lies and it's like you can see maybe why they're lying, right? But this guy, I remember one day we were working at Jamba Juice. We are in the store behind the counter working, right? We see a Porsche pull up, park in front of the Jamba Juice. The guy driving the Porsche gets out. He waits 30 seconds and goes, hey, that's my Porsche out there. And I go, no, it's not. And he was like, yeah, it is. I own that Porsche. And I'm like, we watched the, we were, I'm, I have worked here longer than you. You don't own a Porsche. I trained you. I make minimum wage plus a nickel an hour. So that means you make minimum wage. You don't own a Porsche, Walter! Pride. Pride is the people that always have to lift themselves up, right? They have to elevate themselves to something that they're not. Put that James 4.10 verse back up again. Prideful people, when we don't have God in our life, we try to lift ourselves up to a place of honor. We try to say, I'm good enough. I'm great. I own a Porsche. 
Porsche. That's how I knew he didn't own one. He called it a Porsche, not a Porsche. But the funny thing is that when we humble ourselves and when we see ourselves for as low and worthless as we are, that's when God finally says, yeah, but I'm going to lift you up. When you realize how despicable you are, God says, I will honor you and you will really be worth something. We find our value not in who we are, but in who God is. The third thing that worship involves is that worship involves surrender. Worship involves surrender. This is similar to humility. Surrender is similar to humility, but the difference is that humility is the ability to say, I'm not who I think I am. And surrender is the ability to say, I don't want what I think I want. Surrender is the ability to give up things that you love. It might be that thing in your life that now that we're talking about it, you're realizing that that's the thing that you love more than anything else. Surrender is giving up even the good things in your right, in your life, for the God things that He wants for your life. Man, there's so many things that we hold on to, so many things that we need to surrender to God. Our things, our relationships, we've mentioned all of those things. Our money. That's why, guys, we talked about giving. That's why giving is an act of worship because it's the, it's the ability to go, God, everything that I have belongs to you and I want to give it back because I want to surrender it to you because I want nothing else in the way of my relationship with you. You guys get that? Worship is all about relationship. And there are so many things in our lives that we try to hold on to and we try to control. All of the mistakes that I've made in my life, I've made because I wanted, to, I wanted control. I try to control situations. I try to, even the things that I'm trying to control because I want to do, I want the outcome to be good. If I'm not willing to surrender those things to make God more important than those, those things become my God. Guys, there are times that we, we lift up, we hold on to, we try to control even church services. Worship. There's times, guys, so we're talking about worship tonight, but there's times where we try to control the worship setting in our churches so much that, man, we're controlling them and God doesn't even get to be a part of them. We're controlling that setting so much that we're trying to, everything's trying to fit in such a neat little ball that all of a sudden, it looks good, it sounds good, and there's no room for God in it. Because all of a sudden, we're putting on a show. Let me tell you guys about a pastor named Matt Redman. He's a worship leader, and uh, he is a songwriter, worship leader, and uh, many of your parents' favorite worship songs were written by Matt Redman, all right? You probably have not heard many of them. But uh, Matt Redman was a really pop, is a really popular uh, worship leader. 
And uh, years ago, all the way back, think way back in time to 1999. I was 12. You guys were, if my math is correct, negative eight. Is that about right? Yeah. I'm pretty close to correct. All right? And Matt Redmond's at a church, and he realized that the worship setting at their church had gotten so controlled through light and sounds and all the right people on stage and singing all the right songs and everything, looking and sounding so great that now we're not even worshiping anymore. We're performing. And he and their pastor realized they needed to surrender the worship setting of their church to God. They needed to get out of the way and allow the church to learn again what worship is and how to worship. And so they made the decision to actually stop for a time worship. What we would commonly call our worship time in church, the time where there's music and we sing along. They stopped that. And then eventually they explained to the church, like, okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're not going to use any instruments. We're not going to use any sound system, none of that. Uh, the only way we're going to worship is through a cappella, just us as a church singing together. Because what you guys need to understand and what their church needed to learn and what they needed to be reminded of was that your worship in the seats is as important as the worship being led on stage. This is not a performance. The reason we have worship leaders is to show an example and to help lead so somebody knows what song we're singing, but you guys being involved in it is as important, if not more important, than what's going on on stage. And so they realized they needed to surrender the show so that God could be made known in their worship time. And some of us need to surrender our fear, our fear of the people next to us. I really want to sing along, but what, what, what are they going to think of me? I really want to raise my hands, but what are they going to think of me? You can control the situation. Make sure that person next to you doesn't think you're weird. But what God, what's God going to think? Where's he in that decision? I think I've told you guys this story before, but when the warehouse was over in what is now the venue, I was like a student, senior in high school, and uh, it was during the worship time, and I'm like engaged, eyes closed, hands raised, I'm singing along, and like I kind of opened my eyes while the song's still going on, and a few of my friends from school, like my, some of my closest friends are like, if I was over here, it'd be like that table right there. Not that you guys would do this because you guys are better than they were, okay? But I actually see out of the corner of my eye, they're looking at me and they're laughing. And you know what I did? I stopped. Because I was afraid. And I wasn't willing to surrender to God. So this guy, Matt Redman, they, they stopped the worship time at their church for a while and, and, uh, and then after a while, they, they start to, like, relearn as a church what worship is, and they pick it back up again. And uh, through that process, he ends up writing what is uh, potentially one of, if not the most uh, well-known worship songs in the modern era. 
It's called the heart of worship. And the whole point is that, God, I'm going to bring you more than a song because a song just in in and of itself is not what you've asked for because you're worth more than that. And they say, they say, I have the words right here. In the chorus, I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry for the thing I've made it when it's all about you. And so tonight, we're going to have Seth and Megan. They're going to come up and lead us in this song. And I know you guys may not have ever heard it before, but I want you guys to focus on the words and understand that worship is about surrender. It's about surrendering the show. It's about surrendering a performance or looking good. And it's all about just saying, God, you are worth everything that I have and more. So they're going to lead us in this song, and you guys do your best to just follow along. Try to sing if you can't pick it up, but they're going to lead us in heart of worship. Yeah, you can stand with us. (laughs) It's all 
the heart of worship and it's all about you it's all about you jesus i'm sorry lord for the thing i made it when it's all about you it's all about you jesus all right thank you guys We've got one more point for you guys. The band's going to be ready, and thank you guys. Um, we're going to continue uh, to worship in just a minute, but the last thing that I want you guys to fill in is that worship involves praise. Worship involves praise, and if you've spent any time kind of growing up at church, you've been at church for a while, you, you probably are thinking like, yeah, that's obvious, because praise is, we usually use it for like another word for worship, right? Like, in fact, that, that's oftentimes what we would call worship music, like praise and worship, you know? And it's like, what's the difference? But praise is, it has many different meanings. And in fact, when, sometimes when we read the word praise, uh, the, the word that is being translated actually means the thing that you talk about the most or the thing that gets the majority of your attention, right? The thing that, that you care about the most. The thing that you praise is the thing that is on your lips, the most, right? If I were to go to your school and ask your friends, what, is, what does she talk about the most? If I had to ask you what he loves, what would you say? What would your friends say? What would they say you praise? Would they say that you praise God? that he's the number one thing that you talk about? Would they say that it's the Warriors or skateboarding or Fortnite or something girls like? I mean, you guys can like the Warriors and skateboard. You know, you know what I mean. What would they say? What is the thing that you can't keep yourself from talking about? What is the thing that you get so excited about that is so evident in your life that the people around you can't help but know that's what you love? That's how our relationship with God should be. We shouldn't even have to tell people that we love God because the way we live our lives should tell them that we love God. So worship isn't just sitting in a room, singing three songs, and going off to the next thing. Worship is about the way we live our lives and the things that are evidently the most important. We're called to make God known. We're called to be about his business and to talk about his business. We worship God by praising him, by making it evident wherever we go that he's the most important thing in our lives. Guys, this is hugely convicting because I know for myself there's most times I go to the grocery store, the, the lady at the register doesn't know what I do for a living. I, I get that it's difficult. It's even weird. It would be so weird if we were in like our science class or our math class and your teacher's teaching and you're like, awesome, Pythagorean theorem, cool. Have you heard of God? Like that's weird. I get it. But our lives should make God evident. Our lives should worship God. 
It should be known to people that we love him. In fact, we're called to talk about God. Right? That's our number one job. People talk all the time about, like, what's your calling? What's God's will for your life? What does God want you to do? And I think so many times we get hung up on, like, oh, God, what's, what's your calling for me? And I haven't heard God's calling yet. Like, God's going to someday just call you up on the phone, and he's going to say, you're going to be the junior high pastor at North Point Community Church 10 years from now. It doesn't happen like that. But we all share the same primary calling. The first commandment, the first thing that we have to do is to love God and love others. And then our primary calling is something that we call the Great Commission. And it's the job of you and me and every other believer around the world. And it says in Mark 16, And then he told them, go into the world, all the world, and preach the good news to everyone. We don't think about preaching, telling people about Jesus as worship, but it is. When we make Jesus known to someone who doesn't know him, it's worship. Because what we're saying to that person is, Ashley, you don't know Jesus, and guess what? He's worthy of being known by you. Right? I love him so much, I want you to love him too. Because of how much he means to me. And when we spend time, see now, this is where the corporate setting intersects with the personal, private, life worship setting is that in a corporate setting, we get to all stand as fellow believers and be reminded by songs on the screen everything that God has done for us. And so in those moments where you struggle to live out when you're at school, when you struggle to make it known what you believe, be strengthened by the times that we're here together as a group remembering what God did for us. So the band's going to come out and we're going to have our time of worship together and they're going to sing some phenomenal songs and we're going to sing right there along with them because we are going to be reminded of what God did for us and how we are not worthy, but he makes us worthy. We're not pure, but he makes us pure. We humble ourselves and we surrender our wants so that we can lift it up, be lifted up by him. Can we do that together? Oh, the band, the band's not out! I thought they heard my cue. Hi, guys. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to pray, and then, uh, I don't know, somebody hit some strings or some keys or something when I know you're back there. My goodness. All right, I'm excited. It's going to be a good worship time tonight. So... Uh, buckle up. I'm going to pray. You guys are going to stand up. You're going to surrender your fears of the people around you. And if somebody around you is making you feel uncomfortable for worshiping, leave them. Don't leave. I mean, leave them. Okay? Because there's nothing more important in this moment than you being able to say, God, there is nothing between you and me. I love you. And that's all I want to focus on right now. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we love you so much. And uh, God, we just thank you for everything you've done for us. We thank you for the way you love us, the way you've saved us, the way you take each of us that is worthless, sinful, dirty, full of baggage, 
You make us clean and worthy and loved. So God, tonight be in this place. I pray that each and every one of us would feel your presence here tonight, that it would be undeniable that each student would sense you in this room, in their lives. And if for the first time tonight, God, they don't know you, that they would sense you and that they would think, God, there you are. I want you in my life. God, I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. God, would you do that tonight? Would you be in this room? We know you'll be here because you promise it. God, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.